If, if you want to learn more about our church, I'd encourage you to fill out a brown card at the back. Uh, fill it out, put it in the, in the uh, black basket over there on that table there in the back, and uh, we'll give you a nice little covenant mug as our token of our appreciation that you're here, and we'll be in touch with you as well. So I hope you had a happy new year and had a wonderful Christmas with your friends and family uh, the past couple weeks. For me, not only was I able to see friends and family the past couple weeks, but I also discovered this game called Angry Birds, which is a source of great joy and great frustration as well. <laughs> so, so before I get into my message here, I just wanted to give you guys a couple announcements of the couple of things that we're going to be doing here this month here at Covenant. Uh, the first thing... There we go. <laughs> uh, the first is our Connect class, which we hold a few times each year. And this is where we talk about the mission, vision, values, and direction of Covenant Church and where you get to meet some of our leadership team, too. And we'll be having that Sunday, January 7th, and lunch and child care will be provided as well. And then on the 31st, we're going to be having a uh, baptism service. Uh, We believe that baptism is something that we do as Christians in order to demonstrate our commitment and our devotion to Jesus Christ and him and him alone. We don't believe it saves you, but we do believe that it's a sign that you're saved and you're going to live your life in accordance with the will of Jesus Christ. So if you want to chat more about being baptized on the 31st, uh, just catch me after the service or, or shoot me an email. Well, it's a new year here at Covenant Church, and I'm excited to be kicking off our series in the book of Colossians. Uh, So if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. The reason I like starting the year off in Colossians is because it's a book that encourages us to get back to the basics of the Christian faith. It reminds us that Jesus Christ is Lord over everything in the world, including our hearts, and he is the one who is transforming us from the inside out. And here at Covenant, every single thing that we do here on Sunday morning stems from this, our mission statement, which is to know Jesus, I think the battery's dead, and to make him known. But without submitting everything that we do and think to the lordship of Jesus Christ, everything else that we do is pointless. And I'll be frank, all the New Year's resolutions that you set for yourself that don't point directly for, to Christ, or from which you don't get the source of your power from Christ, are going to be pointless even if you are successful. And when we meet the Colossian church, we see that they're a solid, solid church. And the Apostle Paul is writing them from a Roman jail cell. He's awaiting his execution. But he's heard some good things about the Colossians. He's heard that they have great faith. He's heard that they love their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But Paul sees some tendencies in the church that could cause them to walk away from submitting to Christ and end up following someone or something else that isn't Christ. And frankly, we as evangelicals are very, very good at following things that aren't Jesus. I think sometimes we get tired of Jesus, frankly. I think sometimes we think that Jesus needs a facelift or we need to add something cool to Jesus' message in order to make him more relevant or appealing. And what happens is that we end up finding ways of making good things idols. I've seen great churches fall because they've made idols of their leaders. I've seen great churches fall because they've made idols of their own outreach agendas. And I've seen great churches fall because they've preached a Christ different than the Christ of Scripture. And they ended up withering away because they were cut off from the source of all their power in their life, which is Christ. 
So I think at the top of all of our New Year's resolutions lists, we should seek to put Christ above all and everything that we do and find our hope and our joy and our life in him and him alone. And that's what the book of Colossians challenges us to do. So before we get into our text today, will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I I thank you so much that we can be here this morning to open up your word. I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds and eyes to the different things that you want us to learn this morning from your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Colossians 1 begins this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So when you're writing a letter in the ancient world, this is how you do it. You state your name, your position, your title, and you give a nice greeting. And in our case, Paul states that he is an apostle of Christ by the will of God. Now this is a loaded kind of statement right here. Because an apostle was one who walked with Jesus Christ during his time on the earth. But Paul wasn't there with Jesus. In fact, uh, Jesus called Paul after Jesus had ascended to the right hand of God. Now, this doesn't seem like a big point of controversy to any of us because we always think Paul is an apostle. But in the ancient world, it was a big deal because Jesus did call Paul while Jesus was on the earth. People doubted his apostleship. They doubted his authority. His credibility was always questioned. And that's something that Paul thought throughout his entire life in the early church. So when Paul says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, he's making a significant claim of authority to the Colossians, and he's justifying his own right to proclaim the truth to this group of believers. But Paul holds his authority loosely, because as you see, he's writing with Timothy, his protege in faith and in ministry. He's bringing him along in the art of ministry. He's his mentor. So this is a letter that's driven by Paul, but Paul's already looking to Timothy to succeed him as a leader of God's people. Not only because that's how you ensure the future of the church, but remember, Paul's in prison. He's looking for someone to succeed him because he's just not sure what's going to happen. But with what will probably be his final moments, Paul chooses to write a letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes on to say in verses 3 through 5, he says, We always thank God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. The Colossian church seems like a great church. They have a great reputation in the community abroad and abroad for their faith in Christ. But they also love their brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul says that the source of this faith and of this love is the gospel. And Paul spends his time in prayer for this group of believers, thanking God for their explosive witness in carrying the gospel to their community. Now, to us in contemporary 21st century United States of America, this can seem a little disingenuous. It kind of sounds like the stuff that you get in one of those cheesy uh, uh, Hallmark Christian cards. Like, I'm thankful for your hope and for your love. May the peace reign across you. 
Love, Pastor Ben. But remember, this is the first century aid. No, no offense to anybody that likes those, okay? But I'm just saying, this actually means something a little more than that. But remember, this is the first century A.D. They didn't have texting back then. They didn't have Google Hangouts back then. So if you were going to write a letter to somebody, every single word that you wrote would mean something because you had a limited amount of ink, limited amount of time to write. So you're going to use an economy of words. All your words are going to mean something. So Paul says that he and Timothy have heard of the faith of the Colossians. Now in the ancient world, like I said, communication takes days or weeks. And chances are Paul and Timothy are hundreds of miles away from Colossae. How could they have heard of the faith of the Colossians? And how could they have heard of their love for all the brothers and sisters? I have a theory that Paul had heard of the devotion of the Colossian church because of the hospitality that they extended to those Christians who were seeking refuge from persecution or were passing through on their travels. Because that's just how the world worked back then. As Christians, you had to rely on your fellow Christians to support you. And they had this great infrastructure of prayer and fellowship that they enabled them to take care of one another. And it was really necessary that Christians rely on each other in the midst of such deep persecution. That's why here at Covenant, we're so intent on this idea of creating community. Because as humans, we're built that way. But as Christians, we really need that in order to take care of each other. And we also love each other in community because it maximizes our impact for the gospel. Like Jesus himself says, people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Check out what Paul says in the next couple verses. It says, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Part of the reason why Paul and Timothy were so aware of the devotion of the Colossians was because the gospel was taking the world by storm. It was spreading like wildfire all across the known world. They're seeing people get saved, and they're encouraged in the work that they're doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at the language that Paul uses here. Okay? He says the gospel has been growing among you since the day that you first heard it. Now, a lot of times when we talk about the gospel, it's almost always in the context of sharing the gospel with family and friends who don't know the gospel. And, but that's, and that's good. We need to keep doing that. But the thing about the gospel, it is it's at the center of everything that we do as Christians. It's our goal to know the gospel and then try and pass it off to other people. But we need to know the gospel so well so that it transforms us from the inside out. That's why Paul says of the Colossians that the gospel has been taking the world by storm. And it's also bringing about your spiritual maturity as well. The gospel isn't the first step in a staircase of godliness. The gospel is the staircase itself. And the further you climb up that staircase, the more you know and understand the riches of God's love. And you're better equipped to share the good news with people who don't know Jesus yet. 
here at Covenant, one of our goals is to be a gospel-centered community where we not only tell others about the love of Jesus Christ, but we embody the love of Christ in every single thing that we do. It's in our mission statement to know Jesus and to make him known. And Paul goes on to mention his other colleague, Epaphras. So you have Paul and Timothy writing this letter to the Colossians, and he's mentioning Epaphras, whom he commissioned to live and minister among the Colossians. So this tells you that Paul believed that doing ministry was required in a team. Paul was the primary leader, but he ministered with other brothers and sisters in order to bring the gospel about. And that's another thing we're about here at Covenant Church. We believe that every person here is a minister of the gospel. All of you are gifted in some way in order to build up the church and build the kingdom. And you see that in these opening verses in Colossians where Paul praises the church for their devotion to Christ and for their love for the church of God. So the Colossians are a good church. They love God, they love people, and the gospel is taking root among them. And here's what Paul says next. He says, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now those of you who are English sticklers, you'll know that this is a very long run-on sentence. But I'll just say that in the original Greek manuscript, there are no sentences. So before you get on your high horse and judge the Apostle Paul for poor English grammar, let me say he didn't speak English, and grammar wasn't really his biggest priority. Now, this is one of those big verses that when you're reading through it, your tendency is to kind of gloss over it because he's lavishing on this praise and everything. And he sounds like he's using this Christianese like we t- like to use in the contemporary church. But, like I said, Paul's writing these things for a very specific, very particular purpose. He wants the Colossians to know that he is praying for them. That he's on his knees, interceding on their behalf to God the Father. And generally when we pray in the church, we usually pray for sickness. We usually pray for dire situations. And that's great stuff. We need to continue being a body that prays for those kinds of things. But Paul is a little more specific in his prayers. He prays that God would fill these Colossian believers with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that only the Spirit gives. And when Paul is referring to God's will here, he's not referring to this secret knowledge of predicting the future. He's, He's not praying that the Colossians will become a group of psychics. He's praying that God will direct their steps as they seek to follow him. Paul's praying that the Colossians would take steps of faith in every single thing that they do, relying completely on God for wisdom and not on themselves. But why? Why does Paul specifically pray this prayer? 
Because he says that so that they will live lives worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every single way. He prays that they will bear fruit in every good work. That when they do the stuff of the gospel, that its effects would be fruitful and meaningful. And its effects would be long-lasting. And he prays that the Colossians would grow in their knowledge of God. And for some reason, when some of us hear uh, the word knowledge, you're probably thinking about being book smart or having like this deep theological mind or whatever. But knowledge really means that you just know God. You know his love. You know his sovereignty. You know his grace. You know what he's done for you and what he will do for you. And the more you know God, the more you can love him because you can't love who you don't know. And Paul prays that the Colossians will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that they can have great endurance and patience. So Paul desires for the Colossians to bear the fruit of good works, to know God more, and to have endurance and patience in everything that they do. Those are two things that Christians need in their walk, endurance and patience. Because living a life in submission to Christ requires you to go through some pretty tough stuff. And many of you have been there. You've been through some tough stuff that's challenged your walk with Christ. And in those moments of doubt and struggle, you wonder if it's all worth it. You wonder if turning your back on God, if not believing that he's as good as he says he is, will provide the relief that you need to get through your trial. We've all been there. But Paul also prays for patience for the Colossians because in time you will be healed by God and he's going to bring about beauty where there was brokenness. But Paul's not done with this prayer for the Colossians. He prays that they would give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. When's the last time you thank God for what he's done for you in Jesus Christ? I think those of us who have been Christians for a long time grow numb to what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus that we live in the light of God's love. It's because of Jesus that we have the right to be called the children of God. And it's because of Jesus that we can have life abundant and eternal. So to recap, Paul is impressed with these Colossians for their deep faith, their love for their brothers and sisters in Christ, and their growth in the gospel. And he prays earnestly that they would continue in the road that they're on. But after he tells them that he's praying for them, he reminds them just what God the Father has done for them in Jesus Christ. He says this in verses 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness... And brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this is Paul's way of saying, you've seen Christ, you know Christ, you've tasted Christ, you have your life in Christ. Why would you want to go back into the darkness? I want you to picture the darkest, scariest place you've ever been. For me, it was my basement growing up at nighttime. When I'd go down there during the day, it was fine. But at nighttime, when it was dark and there was no one else around, it was a pretty scary place. And I was always afraid that there'd be something lurking around the corner that would come and catch me or something. 
Now, I could easily go upstairs and be with my family and everything would be good. But for some reason, the dark was familiar, even if it was a little bit scary. And I think the same thing happens with the Christian life, doesn't it? God has removed us from the powers of darkness and he's brought us into the light. And yet sometimes we find ourselves going back into the darkness because it's so familiar, even if we know it's bad. If Christ is so loving and so compassionate and so beautiful and so good, why would you want to go back to the darkness? And if you're not aiming to love Christ and walk with him in your daily life, you're already going to go onto the track that will lead to the darkness and walk away from the light. And that's why Paul is so intent on praying for these Colossian believers and encouraging them in their faith. Because if your life doesn't point to Christ and you're not walking towards Christ, you're walking backwards. So Paul is encouraged by the witness of the Colossians, and he's praying that they would continue moving forward in their faith. There's a few things I want to say about this before we wrap up. Growing in faith requires consistent nurturing and attention. For the longest time, Covenant Church, we've been a church that preaches grace profusely, And by that, I mean, we don't believe that you have to earn your way to salvation. It's a free gift of God in Jesus Christ. But in order to really grow in your faith, you need to pay attention to your life. And as a community, we need to pay attention to our communal life as well. In other words, we need to be holy as God has commanded us to be holy. And by holy, I mean simply growing closer to God and becoming more like Jesus Christ. But that holiness isn't an end within itself. We grow in holiness only when we put Christ above everything that we do and point our lives to him and him alone. And this is the part of the gospel that we tend to forget sometimes. Usually when we talk about the gospel, it's always in reference to being able to say that we're going to heaven if we believe in Jesus But that's such a small way of thinking about the gospel. The gospel says that Jesus wants to save everything in this world. And by putting your faith and your trust and your hope in him, we grow in him. And he empowers us through his spirit to make a difference in this world for his name. The good news is that we've been taken out of the darkness and can live in God's kingdom of light. Growing in your faith requires consistent nurturing and attention through prayer, through studying God's word day in and day out, and being in a community that can keep you accountable in your walk with Christ. Because there's the simple truth, the gospel is the source of our life in Christ. Without Christ, folks, we have nothing In fact, Paul told the Corinthian church that without the resurrection of Christ, this whole Christianity thing is pointless. I want to show you this this infographic we have here at Covenant Church. And I like to show this infographic because I think it it does a great job of explaining our four core practices as a church. We preach the gospel, we cultivate worship, we create community, and we like to live on mission. Now, these are all very, very good things. But without Christ, these things either become empty or they become idols. Either you do them because they're good things to do 
or they become the end goals within themselves. You create community because you love being in community. You live on mission because you think it's a cool thing to do. But Christ needs to be the source and the direction of anything that we do as individuals or as a church. Because without Christ, these four things could become greater than simply loving Jesus in our minds and in our hearts. So as we kick off this series in Colossians, as we kick off this year at Covenant Church, I think we just need to rediscover how alive in Christ we really are. How he's brought us out of the darkness and placed us in his brilliant kingdom. How he's changed our lives so that we can share the good news with others. And how the Holy Spirit is conforming us into Christ's image day in and day out. And maybe you're here. And maybe you're stuck in the darkness. And your life seems hopeless. Your life seems like it's a total mess. If you come to Jesus, he'll help you sort it out. He doesn't take away all of your circumstances, but he'll be there right by your side, walking with you through your life. And that's better than walking alone. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. And in a few moments, we're going to take communion. And communion is where we celebrate all that Jesus Christ has done for us, all that he is doing in our lives, and all that he will do for us. So I encourage you, if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, take this as a time to remember all that he's done for you.